Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. I am joined by Sarah and Jean has evidently uh, evidently demanded a trade. What is up, Sarah? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Jean's uh, agent. I hope that you're listening. Uh, I really love to work something out between Potadelphia and your <laughs> camp. Um, if Gene were to show up tonight, I'm sure he'd want you to know that you can find the show on Twitter at Potadelphia. <laughs> and you can find me. My name is Sarah Siders. You can find me at Sarah Siders on Twitter. Yes, absolutely. And just a little bit of, you know, behind the curtain here, uh, Gene was actually earlier than he has ever been for a show. He was here about five minutes before we went on air. And then he uh, he took the red pill or something, and he's a glitch in the matrix now. We don't know where he went. We don't know he, where he froze the statue of Gene, and then he was gone. So maybe he'll pop back in. I don't know. That we'll is, see. you know that that is the second matrix reference you've made to me uh, since we've been talking this evening. I, are you excited for the new trailer that's coming out this week? <laughs> yes, I, I'm excited. Well, I I just I floated the joke out to you before we went on the air and I thought, okay, it sort of worked, so I just <laughs> went with it, uh, you know, on, on the air. You know, it's just like our Slack channel. Sometimes you test the joke out and you're like, okay, it worked. It's social media ready and then you you slap it on Twitter and it's like, okay. We've seen that. We've seen that a few times. Guilty um, as charged. <laughs> uh okay so all right my train of thought where did it go woo woo. all right well we started with uh demanding a trade so this week was it this week or last week because we've been on vacation so i don't even know i think it was maybe a week and a half ago um ben simmons the ben simmons camp has come out and demanded a trade now they have requested a trade and ben simmons stated he will not uh show up to camp well, in things that would have been surprising maybe a year ago, uh, th this has to lead the way. Boy, has Ben worked hard to prove all the people who defended him wrong. I mean, it's this has not been a, a good run for him. I guess his time in Philadelphia hasn't been a good run from, uh, for him. I mean, we've we've recognized how good of a player he is, but he's not this good. You know, Ben Simmons is not worth this much drama and to demand his way out of town just because he heard his name was being shopped. You know, we we talked about it when he made the decision not to play for the Australian national team. That's like, come on, you know, you you want the guy who wants the ball in his hand. You want that athlete that wants to take the final shot. And w we have tons of video evidence that that was never Ben. And... Yeah. A chance to redeem a, a lackluster uh, Sixers ending to a season? Nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the Olympics. All right, concentrate on your game. Whatever. All right, fine. You want to go to Wimbledon? We're not gonna judge you. My name's in trade talks. Well, then you better damn well trade me. Ah, I don't like that. It's it's see ya. You know what? I mean, all the grace, all the. All the support he's gotten from Philadelphia has to go right out the window. And speaking of windows, we had one just pop up on our chat. <laughs> Hopefully, we have Gene here. Gene's on um, a phone. Gene's I, uh, on I'm, a phone. I'm on mobile this week. Oh, my God. I don't know what's wrong with my laptop. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's your data plan? 
Uh, I hope it's I hope it's the best one. I hope it I hope it's a great data plan. I hope it's the very best data plan. Trump? I, so, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, uncle. so right. I was going for weird uncle. I get always all my impressions end up being Trump. <laughs> it was a good weird, weird uncle. Um, Gene, we're talking about Ben Simmons and ah, uh, and demanding it. a trade. <laughs> so. I mean, Ben Simmons in the course of, uh, you know, one one week of the of postseason play and, uh, you know, one day of uh, offseason activity has completely destroyed any trade value he had. I mean, think, think about think about the fact that there was a debate in this town on whether we should trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. And now it's like, well, maybe we can get, if we throw in a pick, maybe we can get CJ McCollum. Right. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> I mean, is it sabotage? Like, you know, I mean, it's a great beastie boy song. I don't know if it's the, what Ben Simmons is up to. Um, I feel more like this is kind of like the modern, we're getting a taste of the modern NBA athlete it, where, and I don't know if it's, it's, you know, just the way that the, the, the business is being done now where the players sort of exert this strange leverage where they go to the ownership and like, look, uh, I think now it's time for me to be traded. Right. I think the thing that is most surprising to me is Ben, like that, that was going to like, that was the plan. I don't know why you're suddenly being like, well, I hear you don't want me. Well, that's fine because I don't want you either. Like that move never works. As someone who has tried that move many times in her life, that move never works. Is this right. a, are you are you referring to in like the the professional arena or in the relationship arena? I, I can let you guess. Um, but no, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the relationship arena. Um yeah, we're not we're not getting into that. We have plenty of sports to talk to. We'll, I mean, we'll look, save we're that. Only seven, we're only seven minutes into the episode, mm. and you know we were off last week, so you know we have to explore things. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's like, hey, you know, Ben, we need to talk. It's like, oh, oh you know what? I, we quit. I quit. Right. I'm breaking up with you. You're not going to break up with me. I'm breaking up with you. It's my decision to leave. You decided nothing. I am the one who <laughs> has come to you and has demanded a trade. It's clear you want me to stay, but no. <laughs> I'm leaving. I need to go to another team. It's just not working out here. Sorry. I don't know what that was. You called the playoffs, but you know, I need to, I need to go somewhere else. I'm the so decider. That, yeah. That's basically what happened in this, in this situation. Ben is living in a fantasy world inside his own mind, uh, making a, you know, the workout videos and post All right. So, but anyway, so it, it's a really difficult situation. We're in. Embiid's reaction as well. Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you yeah, see I his? The, I have the tweets here. Do you want me to read them? Yeah, because right, I so, don't remember them verbatim. It's been like a week. Okay, so in, this was September first. So yes, correct. It was a week. Good memory, Gene. Um, Joel Troll Embiid tweeted. Hmm. Uh, I haven't forgotten, but two years ago I got booed. People in Philly wanted me to be traded. I even shushed them. Only the real ones didn't, but I just put the work in that offseason to be better because I knew I wasn't playing up to my potential. Philly fans, y'all also got to be better. It's, and I have no problem with him saying that because that's Embiid. We love Embiid. And part of this 
thing that we love about him is he speaks his mind. He he isn't afraid to say something controversial. But it feels like that last line completely goes against the rest of the, the tweet, where it's like, I got booed, I remembered, and know why I got booed? I wasn't working hard enough. I took that in eternally. I worked on my game and got better. You know, so Philly, y'all got to be better too. I, I'm sure there are areas we could could be better in. You know, I'm certain the, the fan base has been too hard on people who don't deserve it. But it doesn't feel like Embiid was giving that example. I don't know. When it comes to the Sixers, there's a lot more examples of, of times where we've had patience with people that was, was not necessary. I mean, Mark, Marsh, uh, Markel Fultz, we, we as a fan base had a lot more patience than I think we've had with a lot of other players that have come into the city with uh, similar situations. Although, how many people have come under like those sorts of circumstances in Philadelphia? Very few, uh, if any. Um, yeah, I think, but I mean, we do keep, we do keep like, I don't know, like showing this, uh, this piece of evidence of how, like, uh, I don't know how like lovely we are by saying like, look, look how patient we were with Markel. Look how patient we were with Ben. Look how we forgave Alshon Jeffrey for being a, you know, horrible receiver in the, in the Saints game. Um, but I think that it's. I don't know. You could and just is it, like, is it our responsibility you could just be like a shitty soft? person. You could just be like a shitty person, but you like you know donated blood that one time, and you keep running around going, "Yeah, but I donated blood that one time." <laughs> um, you, you know, but, uh, I, I don't. I, I don't think the, the fan base is shitty. I mean, the fan base has done shitty things, you know, but I think the the Philadelphia um, tough crowd atmosphere is is diminishing um you know look at the the phillies ballpark it's more and more family friendly more and more instances of doing the wave in games where we shouldn't be doing the wave but <laughs> it's for, for a long time philly really did have that reputation of and, and i think a well-earned one of we will give you a hard time sometimes but booing doesn't equal hate you know if you get booed here that means there's something about your game that we don't like and occasionally philadelphia targets the wrong person we we can say that um but i think on for the most part you know philly seems to get it right and tim says in his defense uh, he did donate blood that one time so i got the story right and good. I'm glad that Tim was able to donate blood that one time. That was that was a solid thing to do, brother. Um, you know, I just I don't know. Maybe it's turning forty, or you know, whatever, or winning championships, or whatever it is that has just made me like you know I can't I, I don't know I can't be bothered with booing anymore. Like not my own players. Like I just don't boo my own players anymore like i feel like i haven't really done that in quite a while i mean i was never someone big on it to begin with you know booing my own players was never like my favorite thing to do because i tended to give them the benefit of the doubt but like you say dave over time that is just i've been less inclined to to assume somebody's dog in it. Like that's, that's like really when we get, you know, give somebody a hard time. Like we 
go, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's that. I... You know, trust that people are human and are for the most part trying their best. But the the last time I booed my own team was the the Flyers. And I can't remember specifically, but I know at the end of a period, I have given a hearty boo when it's, you know, the shot attempts are low. The energy is low, especially if you if you deliver two periods of that in a row. You know, then you deserve to get booed. And who's, hockey's convenient because it's there's <laughs> lots of breaks. Who's that horse that was uh, that was on the Phillies like two years ago? Um that he was like awful, 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 awful. And he had one good game. And then he said he called like Phillies fans entitled or something like that. Um, oh, God. That was the like the last year of the Gabe Kapler experiment. Was that a pitcher? Nah, he was a utility. He's a utility infielder. Well, Tim's going to chime in here with, with it and save me. Um, yeah, Tim bails out on that one. Uh, I, I know the incident. I was thinking it was Arietta. But I mean, area. No, just... no, it was like Ro- Rodrigo. Um, I'm not even going to try to guess. I can't remember. Anyway, that like that type of thing for me is like, okay, now y- y- you want to do that. Now we'll come at you with a boot just to show like our displeasure with that. I think like the like if I didn't boo Alec Bohm this season, I'm not really booing anybody <laughs> uh, because he's like my number one. Like with a bullet, you know, oh, not like that, but um, <laughs> uh, man, you know, crush. But he, he's yeah, he's like my number one uh target uh this season for like my frustrations, but um, uh, yeah, like I just don't get like I want Philly to be a place where like opposing players hate to play, I don't want it to be a place where everyone hates to play, you know what I mean? I, I have always thought that we have we have sort of grown this point more from just a a reputation or a bias that has sort of supplanted what is the actual reality. Um, I have been to a lot of Philadelphia sporting events, um, more than I could possibly venture to count. But um, I can probably count on one or two fingers the amount of truly negative experiences that I have seen personally. Does that mean that they don't happen? Of course they happen. But what I'm saying is I would venture to guess that if you were a normal fan who attended a swath of Philadelphia sporting events over your lifetime, it is very I unlikely. His name was Sean Rodriguez, by the way. There you go. You had Rodriguez, right? Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was in the hmm, airport. In the ballpark. Um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna experience. You know, most of the truly negative uh, things that I experience in ballparks have nothing to do with what's happening between the fans and the players. It has everything to do with what fans are doing to each other. Uh, famously, I think the three of us were at a game where literally two high schools decided to brawl in the 700 level. Um, but that had nothing oh to do with so what was happening on the field. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like the, those are the sorts of evident like incidents that I have seen that have been negative in um, negative experiences at the ballpark. Um, for the most part, when I heard people be booed, um, it's either opposing players or, you know, I don't think that there's nothing. I think that the, the connotation that the boo is something that's wrong or uh, that's not something that, you know, it's, it's not like, um, you know, you know, every time you have a fight with your wife, you don't immediately draw up divorce papers. Sometimes a little, um, 
a little bad blood, maybe. Bad blood isn't even the right word. There's a little bit of tension between... Keeps it spicy. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, Ben Simmons are keeping it spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you have to have that sort of um, that sort of give and take or else, you know, it's really not going to stay interesting. If it was all love, 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 then, you know, it, it wouldn't be interesting. Also, we aren't necessarily a soft fan base. We aren't, we aren't people that are going to tolerate and it's it's always the same thing. If if you look at the through line, it's we aren't gonna we don't like to tolerate people that don't give effort. We are a working class city. We are a northeast fan base. Well, we were at one point, at least traditionally. You we, know, we I mean, still or, are. I mean, the Philadelphia still is. I mean, if you want to break down demographics and all, and who's coming to games and where they're coming from, and you know, that might be a whole different that. story, but. But it is something we wear with a badge of pride, like like Gene was saying. Yeah. Well, and I mean, who who what, what the biggest complaint I've heard about fan like the actual fans in attendance um, going back, and I th- I feel like and Sarah, maybe you can comment on this better than I have because you've probably been to more Flyers games. But there was a a an absolute, um, and I've even experienced it to a degree myself. There was a real problem where there were people going to Flyers games that had almost no interest in the game of hockey, and they were all they were there for either the the show of being in a Flyers game, or I'm not sure what exactly their motivation was. But I don't know if it was that hockey fans have been priced out or what it was. But I, th- I think that that's finally shifting. I think that that is partly that the NHL has done a better job of marketing itself and is bringing back younger fans who are saying to their parents, guardians, friends, I want to go to a hockey game. And once you start getting younger fans back into the building, it sort of scoots off some of the business suit typees um but you know that's but in the case but in the case of the sixers we literally have fans booing a first place team like they're in first place and they're being booed you know because they had a bad quarter or something like i don't know like do you expect them to be like what is the expectation well, at that point, you're a first place team. You're the number one team in the East, and you're getting booed at home. Why? I I think it's it. There's a certain amount of equity a team could build up. You know, I had mentioned when talking about the Flyers being you know booing the Flyers personally. That it's like two bad periods. You know what I mean? But if you're a first place team. And you have a stinker of a game and it's regular season, that's fine. If you have two in a row, then let's talk. But it should be the punishment should fit the crime. Also, not all boos are created equal. You know, that's I, I wanted to get to that point because there is a like type of like courtesy boo that I do all the time. I have done to people in like normal interactions. <laughs> Like, I believe I've been booed. Uh, I, I'm, out of courtesy. I'm sure you have. It's just more like, ah, oh, boo. You know, just sort of that. And you you do that to a player that's mildly irked you. You know, of, you know, somebody goes to the foul line and misses four in a row. If they miss the fifth one, I want to hear a little boo. It doesn't need to be deafening boos. It doesn't need to be the same treatment we give the most hated player on the other team, but there should be a rumbling of discontent. It shouldn't just be 
silence. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm in favor of that as opposed to disinterest, as opposed to wooing, which is where I thought Gene was going to get um, <laughs> to when he mentioned me in Flyers games and fan behavior. You know, we don't like to police how other people enjoy the game, although we do on a regular basis on this show. So, I mean, hopefully not too much. But the wooing, the wave, it shows a disinterest that is unconnected to the game, at least with booing and cheering even if you feel uncalled for, people are connected to the game. Back to the point you made originally, Dave, is it appropriate to boo a first-place team? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes to, to keep them in check. It doesn't need to be one bad game, unless that I, bad, one bad I, game's in the playoffs. I mean, and- honestly, I think I think the, to some degree, it's, you know, I don't, I don't come to a lot of games. I paid a lot of money for this game. And this is the performance you're going to give me. I'm frustrated. I'm going to boo. Honestly, I think that's what it is. And the thing is, is like, you know, I don't know how many NBA teams have gone undefeated. I think zero. I think it's zero. I don't know how many NBA teams have gone undefeated at home. Maybe there have been. I, You know, I don't know for sure. But it's it's not a lot. Whatever it is, you don't have a team that's going to do that. Sorry. Um, so, you know, no matter what game you go to, you are taking the chance that your team's going to lose. You're not going to get the performance that you expected. You know, if you want to go see the, the, the Royal Shakespeare's company's, you know, performance of Hamlet, you can expect a certain level of performance with that, but you can't do that at a sporting event. Sorry. Sometimes the other team wins. I never, but if you go to Hamlet and they're, and they're doing much ado and you paid for Hamlet, and all the costumes yeah, and all uh, the sets still, are for Hamlet. Uh, scary, and they're, they're doing... still going to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still going to play basketball. Come on, that's fair. But I would, if I went to, if I went to the Globe, although I think they shut the Globe down. Um, if I went to the the Globe and they were putting on the wrong play, I would boo. Fair enough. Sorry, Gene, go on. Fair enough. No, I was just saying, I, th- I think it's strange that we've come to a place in the pandemic where Dave is the one that's like, come on, everybody, let's just be nice and love each other. This, this you know, I, no, I, I'm telling usually, you, like, usually he is the he's the hardcore of the bunch. Let's just be like, be nasty as hell. Be nasty as hell, be it to the other team. I don't understand why, you know, we're like, for, I specifically empathize with the Sixers situation. Like, as a first place team that won the East, in the regular season, uh, they got booed pretty regularly at home. And I don't, it's just, it's to me, it's not cool. Even watching it on TV, I was like, that's not cool. Do you, do you think, think it's that it's, it's sort of uh, symptomatic of as you, as you draw in um, more f- sort of bandwagon jumping fans that they're expect, especially with the NBA, because I think you have a lot, there are sometimes NBA fans that can be sort of spun towards the team that is hot. And, um, you know, you've got uh, with the Sixers fan base, you have teams that are the trust the pot process loyalists who have, you know, I think that there's a certain segment of them that are, have a certain amount of fatigue at watching bad basketball. Um, you know, so you've got sort of a wicked combination, to, uh, you know, to use a Boston term. Um, you've got sort of a wicked combination of, um, you know, bandwagon jumping fans and tired fans. And, you know, it ends up with a very short fuse. I think it may have to. It may have something to do with being a 
football first town. Um, I think football above all the other sports, the team that is supposed to win wins. Yeah. Um, like, you know, things go the way you design them. Sure. There's some variables in there, but I, I, for the I, most I, part, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know. I feel like that has something to do with it. That no, I think you're, a, it's an impatient sport. Right. You know, every game is max critical importance. Um, and no, I think, you're 100%, of, yeah. I think you're 100% right, Dave, because we are a football town. Regardless of how the other teams are doing, unless we have a dynasty form out of the Sixers, the Flyers, or the Phillies, we're going to be a football town for a while now. And every game is so important in the NFL. You only got... 17 of them. Um, That's weird. You only, I know, isn't it? Um, but you'll have 17 games, and people are accustomed to living and dying in each game, and you only get one chance. And if the Eagles blow it on Sunday, well, they've blown your whole week. And I once said to um, someone who had moved to the area from Florida uh, a long time ago, so we don't have to worry about their COVID status, but I once said <laughs> to this person that like, you can tell – how the Eagles did just by the mood of the people in the town. You know, if the Eagles won a big game, that whole week was lovely. If Eagles coughed up a big game, that whole week sucked. And it wasn't just you personally. It was everyone you were dealing with. And it seemed like, I, I think of it most often with the, the Phillies when it comes to the bandwagon fans. That, again, I think we vocally welcomed. We want bandwagon fans, but also kind of look around, see how other people are behaving. You know, know that baseball is a game of series. So if the Phillies win the series, but, like, lose the last game of that series 10 to nothing, they won the series. That's a win. You have to treat it that way. So... And in hockey, it doesn't translate too because every time the Flyers make the playoffs, every other year, you get an influx of playoff-only hockey fans who haven't paid attention very closely during the regular season. So they don't know who's hurt. They don't know who's improving. They don't know who's young. They don't know. They don't know a lot of things, and that's cool. That's fine, but they don't let them stop. They don't let the lack of knowledge stop them from having a very vocal opinion. Now, I call that podcasting, but other people, <laughs> you know, express that in the in the stands. I, an Eagles chant at every game is really all you you really need to know about. Yeah. about at any that. game, you you but, can yeah, ruin many game, a game, yeah, yeah by <laughs> by cheating for the Eagles way out of the series uh, season. You guys want to keep talking about Ben Simmons, or should we move on to something else now that we're halfway through the show? It's been like three or four weeks for me, so I mean, I can talk about whatever. <laughs> we can talk about fans we don't like. <laughs> uh, let's. Um, speaking of fans we don't like, Gene. Yeah. Um, do you want to? <laughs> Eagles. Eagles kick off this week. What the hell? Football's here. <laughs> Now, I mean, this is kind of like a good transition transition here because, you know, we live and die of every week. Every week's critically important. You know, we, you know, you, the mood of the city is predicated on how the Eagles did on Sunday. But this season, going into it, it's kind of like, well, 
what am I like? What are your like? What are my expectations here? Like, okay, we got the Falcons on the Falcons on Sunday. We're three and a half point road dogs, so that's kind of like a that's kind of like a pushy a pushy kind of line. Um, we got some you know some like little injuries going. Like, what what do you expect? Do you expect a win on Sunday? I, I don't know. I have no. I have no idea what this Eagles season is going to look like. Um, the thing I'm rooting for this Sunday is fun. I just I just want stuff to happen. I don't care if the Eagles win or lose that game because I, I don't have personally very high expectations for the season. But the preseason has just become utterly meaningless. We thought it was meaningless before. Now it's it's a glorified practice if that um so i'm really interested to see uh the Devonte smith and jalen hurts connection reconnection see what they produce on the field if there's some fun and excitement there sign me up some big tackles some big hits just give me give me something let me know what this team is so this sunday for the eagles for me is no pressure because how many weeks for, for a decade now, at least the first week of the the football season is completely unpredictable because preseason doesn't exist anymore. It's usually the first couple weeks where you find out whether a team is good or bad. So I think, I think my expectations for the Eagles really aren't going to be set until week three, week four to go, Oh, this team is actually decent. Now, now I have standards that, you know, they have to meet. Or this team is just awful, and let's and let's lose in the most fun way possible. You know, I I, I agree, almost a hundred percent of what you're saying. The only difference is I think that there is a a sort of undercurrent within the fan base. It's not so much that we are like lovingly just looking forward to a a, a great new season. I think that it's more like a little bit of post-traumatic uh, season syndrome because last year was a traumatic season. I think that there's a lot of Eagles fans for a lot of reasons. I think that even our conversations at the end of the year, we did not expect sort of the house cleaning that occurred. I think we had famously a conversation where we said, you're going to have Howie, Carson Wentz, and Doug Peterson, and which of the two are going to remain. And none of us would have predicted that the only one left of that bunch was going to be Howie Roseman. I think that a lot of people in this town didn't necessarily blame everything on Doug Peterson. And I think that his departure sort of left a bad taste in people's mouth. Not so much that he was fired, but more in the fact that like that was the head coach that won us a Super Bowl. And it all it all sort of went up in smoke. You know what I mean? We we sort of thought we had found our next guy and it it didn't really pan out. And the re the evidence I will give for this, it's not that there's a lot of people out on street corners wearing Doug Peterson visors and cheering and chanting for his his return. It's more for the it's more the fact that nobody talks about Nick Sirianni at all. It's as if he doesn't really have any influence or move the needle in this town at all. And when was the last time the Eagles had a head coach that didn't move a needle in this town positive or negatively? When was it when in this town did you did you not feel like going into a season 
that you had any idea what the coach's personality really was. Because I don't. I have no idea what this guy's personality is. You had a feeling for Chip. You had a feeling for Ray Rhodes. You certainly had a feeling for Buddy Ryan and, and for Doug Peterson. But with this guy, I just, I just don't know what kind of guy he is. I think that there's an undercurrent of this fan base that absolutely is going in with very low expectations. But much like you said, by week three or four, you're going to see a shift in the in the temperature of this town and it's going to go either extremely high if they go like two and one three and oh you might see this you're going to see this team start this town start to be like yeah see we 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 do know what we're doing we've got it all figured out but if it goes the other way i think that everybody's going to sort of turn and be like see how you know they don't know what they're doing they're driving this team into the ground you know they've they've completely squandered all of their goodwill we were supposed to have this be the new normal where we were going to go to super bowls all the time and it just never panned out again the eagles famously love to over promise you know we had the dream team we have the new normal you know what i want is just consistency as much as i hate it the one thing you you, you can count on with with certain head coaches in new england is for the most part it's consistent it's consistent success or consistent style of football. And I think that that's the sort of thing that we want in, for the Eagles. We ultimately just want a team that we know that the faces may change, but the jersey is always going to end up in the playoffs. Isn't this – for? Uh, and sorry, I jumped on you, Dave. But um, for, for me, it all comes down to Howie this season. Like, he's the person on trial. You know, it's we we watched the Eagles struggle with futility so much the last few seasons, especially last season. Um, you know, they just come up small and it really became an indictment of Howie Roseman. You know, look at his drafts, look at the players the Eagles developed and just it was a barren wasteland. So if the Eagles are bad sort of against their will, if it, if it looks like the Eagles are trying their damnedest and expecting to be winning and it's a horrible season, then that's on Howie. If it looks like the Eagles are trying and okay with losing and not doing the last, you know, end of the season, Doug Peterson tank, um, you know, if it looks like, hey, this isn't our year, but we're trending in the right direction, Maybe, but I th I think the person I'm most inclined to boo <laughs> early in the Eagles season would be Howie Roseman if it looks like we are trying to win and just can't. So a couple of things um, you, got, you two have me thinking about here. So Sirianni. Going into the season with Sirianni, or going into the preseason at least, I had this like weird impression of Nick Sirianni. He's like, uh, you know, playing rock, paper, scissors with, you know, draft picks to see how competitive they are. He's like all this like weird Gabe Kapler, like positive reinforcement. Uh, he's got the coconut oil in the office. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it might be. I don't know. Um but like you know, I'm like this guy's a goofball. I don't know. Does he know what he's doing? He's got all his like bros on the on the coaching staff, and then the preseason happened, and it was you know, 
I guess, normal. I, they didn't play particularly great, uh, but like who the hell knows? I, I don't even know because you never saw anything. So that could be straight. It could not be straight. But I just – so first off, I, what I'm really looking for is a professional football team, um, something that's not – bad news bears complete disaster when they they hit the field so that's that's like the first thing i'm gonna look for it's like okay can we field a competent team although i am i I, and i have been on record on the show being optimistic about this team as far as a coaching standpoint i just want to be normal (laughs) i just want to be like i just want to be like hey we belong in the nfl not like I don't want to be that team that's like, oh, Alabama could beat the Eagles this year, you know, like that. Kind of thing. So, like, let's first off, let's just be normal. Um, and then the, the other thing that I'm looking for now, look, I know we're going to say a bunch of shit on this show right now. That's like, okay, great, you're saying all this stuff preseason, and as soon as it's, uh, you know, twenty-one, twenty-one with a minute 45 left and you have the ball on their 40 and you don't win the game. It's like, God damn this team, like another wasted opportunity. We're only one game behind Dallas. What are we doing? You know? Um, But now before we get into like overreaction situations, when the season starts, um, I'm just looking for development progression and positioning. Like, I really want us to be able to position ourselves to get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> You're still on that. So you're talking I'm about still... for next season? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. What if he becomes available, you know, after the season? Uh, you know, and I look, because you got – oh, we didn't even talk about the Deshaun Watson situation. Um where okay, it doesn't look like we're getting Deshaun Watson, and it's not. He's another. We, he's another one that says he doesn't want us. Yeah, and it's not because we don't want him. He's just not waving his no trade to come to Philadelphia. Right. So he don't want, he don't want us. By virtue, we take the moral high ground uh, of not getting Deshaun Watson. So yeah, Deshaun, it must suck. You know when things happen to you out of your control. You know. <laughs> It would be a shame for for someone to impose their will on you. Hey, whatever. So yeah, good riddance. I'm I'm happy he's not interested in Philadelphia. It sucks out loud that with all the crap the Eagles have been through with drama, that this is the kind of drama somebody would seek out. You know that. Uh, I'll get mad all over again. I'll get mad all over again. I know. Just, I, and look, I like Jalen Hurts. Like, I, he's the kind of guy like I, I feel good about rooting for. Yeah. Um, so that that'll be fun. I hope I have lots of opportunities to cheer. I, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I, you know, all right. Forget the Aaron Rodgers thing. Just position ourselves moving forward. Whether it's you know developing players, whether it's Get you know, getting players that are going to create more trade value, you know, whatever it is, let's just keep the the train moving forward this season. And no, I, I don't know how much more we could regress anyway, but no more regression. Like, let's just start taking steps forward again and and building something here that's stable. Like, look, I'll take a flash in the pan Super Bowl, like whatever. That's great. Just looking for, um, you know 
an organization that has like, you know, stable footing. I think like, like maybe what, what you said, Gene. So um, I will be watching no Eagles games live this season <laughs> because of my children's baseball. Uh, no, schedule, I th- but, don't you, yeah. don't you think you get, I think you get a Monday night game or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I said a week, what is it? Week uh, three. Yeah. Week three against the Cowboys is a, uh, is a Monday night as a Monday night football game. Um, so, I mean, the first four games, Falcons, Niners, Cowboys, Chiefs. Um, any chance we can go two and two there? There's a chance we go two and two. I don't see us doing better than that. I'll be totally honest. I don't see I how mean, you beat San Francisco or Kansas City. I just don't see how it's possible. I mean, you do get, I guess, I guess you get one, you get one of those at home, right? I think you get. So, Kansas San Fran's at home. home. Oh, San Francisco's. Is Kansas City in Kansas City? That's no, that's also now. in Philly, but it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. You, you're, I would you're almost, I would almost prefer that to be a road game. Right, I would too. Yeah, just to get it because you know, so that you have a, a, a better awesome. game at home. Like I, I would say, if there is a, see, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Would you want to go to the Chiefs game or not go to the Chiefs? Game? I wouldn't want to go to the Chiefs game just because they're definitely going to lose. I think they're absolutely going to lose. Yeah, but you get to see Patrick Mahomes. I can watch him on TV at home. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I pay big money to watch the Eagles in person. I am not the type that goes to watch the opposition live. That's just not never been my thing. No, like I've never, I've never gone to a game because there's like my favorite opposing player is in the building. You've never that. done that? Not in Philadelphia. No, I've done it in other places, but I've never done. Really, it you've never done that? No. Why? Do wow. you go to certain games to root for somebody on the other team? No, I don't go to roof. <laughs> I, I went to the Padres game this year to see Fernando Tatis. Okay. I, I've gone to, to games to see players. Um, not root for them, but just the, the first one that pops in my head was just, you know, making so, certain I saw one final Gretzky game when he was getting towards the end of his career. Uh, Johnny Goudreau. Now, I, I do really like Johnny Goudreau, so I made sure – you know, to catch a, a Flames game here in Philly early in his career. Um, I haven't seen – have I seen McDavid? This really undercuts my argument when the best player in the game right now, I can't remember if I've seen live. I don't <laughs> actually think I have, but it, it – you, you don't have a it, lot of opportunity in fairness. Well, that's true. I don't have a lot of opportunity, but the whole point I was trying to make is like, you just want to be able to say you saw them live with your own two eyes, and then I'm like – I have no idea if I saw McDavid. I don't know. Gene, Gene the, the Angels come to Philadelphia next season. Um, you're saying, do I want to go see Mike Trout? And Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah. And, and Shohei. Yeah, I mean, there there certainly is. I, I don't know that I look at the schedule and I'm like, well, I'm going to go to that game. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I think no. that I think that I'm 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 excited when I when I go to the game and it, I happen to see something special i don't necessarily circle certain dates and like you know certain teams are coming in but i i will say that i i may have um made a but see uh, and i you are the purest of the fans i am i am i also am the most like one most likely hate (laughs) things that are not me or not us um (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean um which take it out of context (laughs) horrible um but yeah no i mean like i have i have Turned down. I have broken up with girls because of their their uh, sports loyalties. So you know that's 
that's something that I've had to live with. And I'm sure that uh, their, their, their husbands are glad that I let them go. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I couch. Gene and Sarah are talking about relationships tonight. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh boy. Shrink, <laughs> shrink the heads. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting um, phenomenon. I blame this on my father. My father has zero interest in basically anything outside of the teams that he roots for. Um, I would say outside of Philadelphia, but I think the, the thing that my father roots for the hardest right now in his life is Gonzaga. I think that he's truly transitioned from being a, an Eagles fan to being a Gonzaga Bulldogs fan. Well, our parents um, never had, and even us as children, never really had the opportunity to follow players the way the way we do now. It's like you only got right. the home team and then whoever they played, and now it's just, you know... Also, player movement, although it happened, was not quite as, um, you know, it, it wasn't quite the show that it has become now. I mean, there was no such thing as the decision when we were, you know, in our Right. I was years. just actually going to say the NBA has kind of really taken this to the next level where, you know, you're. But it's getting there to are... be like that in every sport now. Yeah, 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 like yeah, a... yeah. But like you get to be like that's that was the first sport where it's like, oh, I'm a fan of this player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever team they play for, like I have my team and then I'm a fan of this player and whatever team like they play for, I sort of passively, you know, or maybe more than passively right. kind of fo- follow. Um, so, and there yeah, are but, some yeah, people that are literally just fans of players. There are Kobe Bryant fans. There are LeBron James fans. There are, you know, Kobe Bryant played his whole career in, in LA. He's a bad example, but Kobe Bryant is a great example. He, he, there are fans that have just sort of transitioned with him in his career. And when you he's mean LeBron, like, yeah, that's, yes, thank you, LeBron. Uh, when he's a Heat, he plays for the Heat, they're Heat fans. When he, when he plays for Cleveland, they're Cleveland fans. In LA, they're LA fans. They're, they're just LeBron fans. They aren't necessarily fans of the, the team that he's, what is He's one player on the Heat? I am I am a Heat. Um, yeah, a I Heater. A Heater. Oh, Harry Callis. <laughs> um, I am a Jazz. <laughs> I am but, the Jazz. I mean, if we want to be cute about it, there could be a Jazz note. Uh, mm. A Heat nah. be a degree. Yeah, um, yeah a degree. A Jewel. A jewel, a killer jewel, a BTU. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I, I regret even. I regret even talking about this. Oh, um, bring it on! I, I have puns for days. Okay, look, we got ten minutes to talk about the Phillies, and, and today, tonight is a what the fuck game. Um, they're down. What are they down? Eight nothing now. Six nothing. What's the score? Six nothing. They got out of hand. It's because Aaron Nola is pitching in September. And look, Aaron Nola. Well, I'm not. I don't expect you to be an ace because you're not an ace. But you got to be you're not an ace. You got to be bad. I mean, look, we scored no runs, so it doesn't really matter at this point anyway. If you gave up one run, we'd be losing right now. Um, but <laughs> I need more than three innings. <laughs> Even if you're a number three starter, you got to go. You got to give me quality starts. You got to give me five, six innings. I mean, come on, dude. What the yeah, hell? And this, this, he was even asked about the other day of, you know, your September woes. You know, it was end of August. So, well, September's around the corner. How do you feel what? coming up? And what's what? When the way you said that was, was that a Lawrence. Joey Lawrence? It was. Reference? It was. Yeah. Whoa. All right. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. 
I'm sure I I'm sure I own a blossom hat somewhere, but that's neither here nor there. Um and so is my point. Somebody's woes, Gene made it I forget. I'm I've I've honestly lost it. I corrected you out of your point. You were talking about how Aaron Arandola was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The other day. he was specifically asked about his hardships in September. And he he brushed it aside. It's like, well, I'm going to be better. And first opportunity. And now <laughs> baseball, it's the the Phils blew the Brewers out yesterday. So some bounce back can be expected. But no, it's not a good showing. Like Dave says, you got to give us more than three innings. Look, you know, this tonight's game and tomorrow's game are the two hardest games that are left on the schedule. After that, it's three against the Braves, it's three against the Mets, and then those are the hardest games, you know, on the schedule. So there's a lot of opportunity here. The problem is, is that the Phillies don't really, I mean, outside of the Nationals, who I think we're done with now, um, they don't really capitalize on those opportunities against bad teams. So we we still have three against the Orioles, which, you know, who knows? I mean, they're dreadful. I mean, they are dreadful. That's a dreadful. But so was Arizona when we got there, when we were at Arizona the first time and got swept. Yes. We have four against the Pirates. Didn't fare well in Pittsburgh. We have three. The last three games of the season are against the Marlins. Which you better hope Braves, that it doesn't. But I, no, it's the Marlins. The last three okay. games are against the Marlins. And you better hope that the season doesn't come down to those. Because well, God for you know they, you know the Marlins love to spoil. Well, we're not going to have a three-game lead going into the last weekend of the season. So you know, there's got four against the Rockies that are coming up, and three against the Cubs at home. So uh, you know, you got to win these games. Atlanta's got a very easy schedule too, but they all but they have three against San Fran left, four against San Diego. They got to play us in the Mets. So I mean. Winnable games for Atlanta, too. Um, it may just come down to that Atlanta series. I don't know. But you got to take care of business against these bad teams. You just got to. Taking care of business is the exact right way to put it, Dave. And this – it's September. We're talking about the Phillies. They are, what, a game and a half out of first right now? Yeah, two out of the wild card. Two out of the wild card. This is a really a time to be excited. We don't normally get to be this excited after Labor Day. But it's so hard to get a a read on this team because it's become a punchline of, oh, hey, the the Phils win the series against the Dodgers and then give all those games back against Arizona. So there's no – you can't look at the rest of the schedule and go, okay, we're going to win that series, we're going to win that series, and it all comes down to the Braves. It's going to be, well, we're playing some of the worst teams in the league – we have a historically bad uh, Orioles team. Let's hope we take two out of three from that historically bad Orioles team. And and it's and it's not like we're just being pessimistic or or crazy or whatever. They've given us a ton of evidence that it doesn't matter the other team's record. The Phillies' biggest opponent is the Phillies, so. Mm-hmm hopefully they'll keep it fun because they've managed fun. well i want to i want to be interested this whole damn month i want to make the playoffs oh i would my it would be complete revisionist history if these phillies managed to 
succeed and somehow make the playoffs. I'll say what a great season this has been as opposed to maddening and frustrating. But keep me into the last weekend of September, please. I'd love that. I'd love for this season to, to be alive a little bit longer. I feel like the Phillies have the opportunity that they can they can finish their season in the spotlight. The Eagles are going to have a rough month. Um, you know, I, I think optimistically you can you hope the Eagles are going to go two and two. Uh, I think that it's it it doesn't mean that it, it. I don't even think that you can even wait the Eagles schedule or the Eagles season on these first four games. I think you could you could go zero and four, and and you know you could still see the Eagles come out with what you would consider a successful season. I hope that what that doesn't would happen. would you consider a successful season, Gene? What, what, what number would you say? That, that's good. What did we, what did we have six wins last year or did we actually get seven? My, and anyway, my, the point is, I think I'd like to see anything above eight I or think above five. I think anything eight or above, I would consider a success. And with that amount of wins, you eight might win the division. Above. Eight, eight or above. put it at eight. Yeah. Yeah, which I know is not 500 anymore, but I guess seven and a half is, which is, again, weird. Um, but yeah, I would consider that a uh, a success in my book. Yeah, so the Eagles I mean? were four eleven and one last season. Okay, yeah, I forgot the tie. Um, yeah, well then, I mean, really, I mean, seven or better, really, I think would be what you would. I don't think that the Eagles are a playoff team. I don't. Um, but I would like to see them be pushing for it and at least not be in one of those situations where they're going, they could, they could fall flat in their face into the playoffs like they were last year, where it was a race to see who doesn't completely trip and hurt themselves, um, which we were watching last year. It was just bad football. It was, you know, is, is the division going to be won by a team with five wins? It was, it was horrible to think about. I'd like to see the entire division as a whole be more respectful. Like that's, like you know, me as as a fan of the Eagles, like I hate playing in a dog shit division. Yeah, respectable. Whatever. They were very uh, respectful to the other team. They were. <laughs> oh no, no, I insist. You score. <laughs> I, I was in the end zone once earlier today. I didn't really care for it. The you, Eagles were very respectful try. to Washington football team. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say about the the and I get your guys take uh, the the Phillies. Do you think that the only path is the the division, or no. do you think that the the wild card is a is a way that you see the Phillies getting? I mean, there really is only one wild card up for grabs because whoever doesn't win the division between the Dodgers and Padres will get the other. We'll get one of the wild cards, even though they're competing against more teams for the wild card because you're kind of like up against the Reds, the Cardinals. And the Padres, um, I actually think they're more likely to get the wild card than they are the division. You just think that they're those two teams are more likely to falter than the Braves? Yeah, I think the Braves are a better team than the Padres right now. They're in free fall. I think the Braves are a better team than the Cardinals for sure. The Reds are the tricky one. Um, and I think the Braves have a very easy schedule. Um, actually, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that, but I, I know that the Braves have a very easy schedule. And I think that even though we don't play any of those teams, um, we'll wind up having a, an easier path that way. Not, uh, certainly not uh, in the playoffs, but okay. Well, that's so. Cincinnati has the second easiest uh, 
second easiest schedule. Um, With like, us, having we have the, the we have the easiest. Right. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just talking talking out of school. No, I'm just I'm just I'm, I was I was genuinely curious because there was a lot of I don't know if it was something I saw on the on the pregame today or something I I, I heard on um on social media or something where well, a lot of people are sort of of the vibe that's like you you know the only path is really the division that there's just too much clutter for the wild card. I mean there was a time there was a time when the the Giants were the best team in baseball and the Dodgers and the Padres had a 13 game lead on the wild card and the Padres just they have come back. They just fell off the map. I don't know what to they have say come about back. it. I mean, and, and the Phillies have been as, as far back in August as what five games, and they're a game and a half back. I guess maybe they'll be possibly two and a half back today, depending on what the Braves did. I don't know, but at least I will say this: it has been fun to start to do that kind of math. That is my favorite way to watch baseball: is when you sort of pull in all of those different mechanisms happening all around you that you can really start to enjoy. Um, you know, that's when you get the real tension is like, you know, yeah, if you're watching baseball, that- if yeah, if you're watching Phillies baseball right now, you're rooting for the Marlins to beat the Mets. You're rooting for the Nationals to beat the Braves, the Cubs to beat the Reds, the Phillies to beat the Brewers, the Dodgers to beat the Cardinals um, and the Angels to beat the Padres. So you could there's like eight games you can have a rooting interest in right now. Just focused mm-hmm. on the Phillies. which right. is cool. I- That's fun. I love scoreboard watching and I think it happens the most in baseball. It feels like, or I just associate it most with baseball late in the season, but I love scoreboard watching. I love, you know, having your, your phone up, your computer up, your whatever to keep track of all the different goings on that can affect your team and, the, and its playoff chances. You, you, you know what I love? What do you love, Dave? Go to the penalty box. All right, and it's been a while. It's been a long while, and I'm going to start with Gene tonight. Gene, who is in your penalty box, or what sort of crazy life story do you have for us? I'm going to settle in. I'm going to settle in. What do you got well, for us? I mean, honestly, we, we, we sort uncle. of already we, we sort of already started talking about it, but like there has been nothing to me that has been more frustrating in the last six weeks, five weeks, than the NFL's preseason product. Um, it is dreadful. It has become beyond unwatchable because, you know, there was a certain rhythm to the preseason uh, that you could sort of follow when you were a kid. Uh, even as recently as like four years ago, you sort of knew that early, you know, you were going to see guys sort of shake the rust off, maybe get a quarter or a couple of series um, but then you could always sort of count on that third preseason game where people would sort of p- almost play it like a dress rehearsal. And you could usually get some takeaways from that game that would give you an indication as to what sort of product you were going to get on the field. Um, I think it's a combination of factors. Some of them, I think, are ultimately good things. Um, I think that the way that training camps and the way that practices in the NFL are run are very different from the way they were even a decade ago. I think that um, it's much more focused on player safety and much more about building the mental reps in preseason or uh, in training camp than it is necessarily to get physical reps. Um, 
And I think that what you're seeing on the field in preseason games, much like what Sarah said, is you're seeing sort of extended practices. So you're seeing playbooks that are almost completely vanilla. Um, you don't see really any sort of things that are going to resemble the type of offenses or defenses you're going to see in the regular season. And you're going to see a lot of players who are deep, deep down the, in the depth chart because you're allowed to carry as many players as you are now throughout the entire preseason. You don't have to make those cuts. And therefore, you don't have coaches coaching them in a way that they want to see those position battles play out. So what you end up seeing is essentially glorified scrimmages. Um, and I think the reason why I want to put this in the penalty box, because I really believe that the whole reason that the preseason even exists is simply pure greed on the ownership side. Um, if the ownership didn't charge for those games and make season ticket holders pay for them, I think you wouldn't see anything resembling what we have as the preseason any longer. I think what we could see would be more open practices, sort of like what the Eagles do. I think that you would still be able to be exposed to your team. You would maybe have sort of open uh, practices, but it wouldn't be organized preseason games that sort of give you the fake flavor of an NFL game. And the reason why they give you that fake NFL flavor, that dime a tap of the NFL, um, you uh, because they have they make you they want you to pay, they want you to pay through the nose for your season tickets to come see preseason games. Um, and I think that that's just pure greed. I think if you're really about player safety and the changes that you're making to the way that you want your players to practice and get prepared for the season, scrap the preseason, scrap it. You don't need it anymore. It doesn't provide the physical preparation or the team building preparation that it used to get rid of it. And that would make me as an NFL fan so much happier so that the first time I saw NFL football, it wasn't that fake grape flavor. It was the real shit. All right. NFL, you have a preseason counterfeit football problem. So straighten your shit out. You're getting two minutes for Gene disparaging Dimatap, my favorite part of being sick as a child, and another two minutes for charging people for a worthless product. Double minor to the NFL. Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right. I, um... I don't go on Facebook all that often, um, but I go, I go on to like post the show links for this show. <laughs> and I wind up seeing a lot of just ancillary crap along the way anyway. And uh, one thing that I've seen over being on Facebook for, I don't know. How long have we been on Facebook? Like uh, two decades at this point. We yeah. all got on Facebook right before you got married. Bye, Gene, by the way. Um, he couldn't so take 12, it. He couldn't take you disparaging Facebook. 12, 12, 13 years. Um, are these math problems? Okay. Oh. <laughs> and I, I got to say, I don't understand uh everybody i'm friends with i'm not i'm not friends with anyone anyone on facebook that hasn't graduated high school uh so i know everyone has taken algebra one half that was the first algebra class i took eighth grade seventh grade maybe algebra one half 
And in that class, they teach you the order of operations or ped mass or whatever the hell. Please, Please excuse, excuse my, my dear, Aunt, dear Sally. Aunt Sally. Yeah. And you have to do the parentheses first. Then moving left to right, you do multiplication and division. Well, the exponents, they're not even in these, these problems. They're so simple. <laughs> and then you do addition. Like I'm just about to addition Gene to this show again. <laughs> Thank you. And then subtraction. <laughs> And then you get your answer. So before you comment on these math problems and look like a complete dumbass, <laughs> uh, do, do, do it through order of operations so you get the right answer. And if you're really stumped and you're not sure, you can uh, open Excel and you can type the, the equation in a cell. You put equals and then type the equation. It'll give you the answer. Um, so you cannot look like an uneducated buffoon who hasn't graduated fifth grade math when you're answering a Facebook math question. Or you could just save yourself all of the trouble and just move on. Like just because you see a, pro a math problem on Facebook doesn't mean that you specifically have to chime in and give the answer. If you just want to save yourself, every question that's posed on there, you don't have to give the answer. So uh, I don't know who I'm upset with. The, the, the people asking math problems on fit. Like I, I got to go on Facebook and I want to do math. <laughs> uh, or am I upset with people that are just like absentmindedly answering these questions? I don't know. I like, I always like, I kind of give this sort of, a, I don't know who I'm actually putting in the penalty box to you, Sarah. So you could kind of suss it out for me. Um, Appreciate that. I think, I think I'm going to put It's not in... unlike the NHL. Oftentimes, NHL referees do have to decide who gets the penalties. So I'm the, I'm the game manager. Uh, no, I'm going to okay. say, so here it is. I'm going to put the quick, quick trigger, uh, quick trigger mathematician, Facebook mathematicians in the penalty box. There you go. Because that'll be easier to say than making up my own. So quick trigger, Facebook mathematicians, you've been called out in the most curmudgeon, <laughs> curmudgeonly uh, specific uh, penalty box I do think we've had. Um, <laughs> Facebook mathematicians, put in the legwork. Review those texts or cheat and go to Excel. That's what Dave's <laughs> advocating for as well. So um, it's Facebook. You're bad at math, but you're getting the cube root of eight for a penalty today. Cube root of eight to Facebook mathematicians. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Sarah. Who's in your penalty box? That's fine. That's fine. We're just <laughs> we're judging people harshly today, and we shouldn't. Because tomorrow is a holiday. Um, no, not Labor Day. Uh, that was the other day. No, not Rosh Hashanah. I mean, I, I think it still continues, but it's that's not what I'm talking about either. No, tomorrow is Star Trek Day. Because oh. every pop culture phenomenon needs to have its own day. May the 4th happened organically. Mario Day. Kind of fun, kind of cute. Um, I think Spider-Man has a day that's the day his comic was first published or whatever. But you have to have your pop culture day. And 
you know, I've seen it around in the past. People have celebrated, you know, that's Captain Picard Day, which isn't tomorrow. Captain Picard Day is June 16th. And I've seen people celebrate First Contact Day, which is April 5th. But no, tomorrow, September 8th, is the premiere date of the original Star Trek. It is considered Star Trek Day. And the people who are going into penalty box is Star Trek or Star Trek social media or Star Trek marketing. You can't have three days. If you want <laughs> any one of them to catch on, pick one. I don't care. I, I, I had to look this up to make this point. And it's pure coincidence that it's tomorrow. So Star Trek... Do the logical thing. Pick a day. Pick whatever day. We'll find you. Star Trek, you're getting a, a triple minor for having too, too many holidays in your name. All right. We did it. We did. Almost. We came back and we did it. Look, I have, I have, I have an example. I'm going to share it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> look, look, I'm going to do it right here. Look, 20 divided by two parentheses, five plus five equals what? Look, here it is. So parentheses, do that first. Five plus five is what? 10, right? And now we're going to go left to right. 20 divided by two is 10 and 10 times 10 is a hundred. And I wrote it out here and here's the equation I wrote it all out, and even Excel does it for you. And that's the answer. Now, come over here. What are we getting? What kind of answers are we getting here? Oh, this person got it right. It's 100. But I've seen all kinds of stuff over here. One, five. Who the hell knows? Anyway. All right. Five. Well, there, <laughs> it's not even in the pretty, uh, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. It's the left to right, too, because some people go, there it trips you up because you do multiplication before division, which is not true. You do left to right when you get to that multiplication division class and then left to right on uh, addition subtraction. So Yeah, so what you're saying is the most common type of mistake here would be 5 plus 5 is 10 mm -hmm. times 2 is 20. Mm -hmm. Divided by twenty divided by twenty would be one, right? Correct. So that would be uh, that would be a mistake. That this would be a, a mistake that you can follow why the mistake got made. I don't it's know how still you wrong, and you don't be all like a defiant ass on Facebook. Be like, well, I spent one moron. I, I spent <laughs> so much of my childhood being wrong in at blackboards doing math problems. The last thing I'm going to do is to go on social media and be indignant that I don't know how to do math. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. People are indignant and wrong on Facebook? All right. That's all the well, time that... we have for today. But well, we have a real quick announcement here that's in the chat here. So in a moment, Dave is going to plug for all the shows that you should listen to that are part of the Painted Lines or our sister show, The Whip Around. There's a lot of great podcasts to listen to and one that you should make sure you listen to um, at least this Friday. But come on, anytime it comes out, listen to Locked on Flyers because I'm joining the show. Um, two to three times a week. Yes, thank you. I'll be joining uh, Rachel Donner, who is the full-time host. When I'm not there, uh, Russ Cohen, uh, you may know him as Sportsology on Twitter and from his website, a professional hockey writer. 
the three of us will be um, taking care of Locked On Flyers going forward. Um, I believe starting September 20th will be a daily show. Until then, we do three times a week. My first show as a host will be this Friday. I previously have appeared as a guest. I'm really excited. I'm really happy um, to, to start this show. And uh, I hope if you guys enjoy hearing me talk about hockey, you check it out. If you just want to make me happy and do a favor, check it out too. Um, but yeah, so we have a bit of an announcement again. I'm joining Locked on Flyers. That will not affect my time on Potadelphia. I will still force the Flyers into every conversation here. Better than I could have done it for sure. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great day at work. We are out of here.